and welcome to the second edition of the Royal College of Occupational Therapists podcast. I'm James and I work in the digital team here at the RCO team and will be hosting today's edition. I'm very pleased to say that today we're joined by Julia Scott, the Chief Executive of the RCOT. Julia, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here with you. We've got a few questions that we wanted to put your way. Um, we know that you've been out meeting members in the four countries recently. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how it went? Yes, absolutely. Um, all started last Christmas when in Occupational Therapy News, I tend to write a Christmas message to all of our colleagues, and I asked people whether they would be interested in hosted, hosting a meeting, and thankfully uh, many people responded. Um, we also put out the invitation to get involved via our branches forum, which meets here at headquarters twice a year. Um, so we m managed to use a lot of our media platforms to engage with members, um, and and we had a very positive response. Uh, we had 13 different events uh, and we also had numerous emails from people who couldn't get to sessions but wanted to contribute their thoughts. And I should say at this point how very grateful I am to all those that hosted sessions um, and participated in them uh, because I know it used people's time and time is very limited at the moment. We had um, a really uh, vibrant cross-section of members at most of the meetings from students and new grads right through to people who'd been in the profession for 30 years. And some of the sessions included non-members, which I think was quite important to hear from them as well about what might encourage them to join their professional bodies. So they were very welcome too. I think members were actively engaged in the process. They didn't quite know what to expect when they came into the room, mm. but they were going to be asked two questions, and once we had started having the discussions, they became very energised. And the two questions we asked were, what are the big issues that will impact on the profession over the next five to ten years? And what should the professional body focus on in the light of those big issues? With that in mind, what did you find to be the key issues that occupational therapists are, are concerned with at the moment? Well, if I start with some of the concerns they raised or some of my observations about being with, with many members, um, I felt in some places morale was very, very low. Uh, people feel invisible and they feel therefore undervalued. Um, and that's, that's very sad to see that people are working their hardest um, and they feel that they're not respected for what they do. Some members had uh, concerns, significant concerns about the impact of the loss of bursaries on occupational therapy education. Um, they were concerned that would lead to less occupational therapists being educated and trained. And in some parts of the country, there were further related concerns about small numbers of students impacting on the sustainability of small education programs. So they were worried in some parts of the country that some of the small programs simply wouldn't survive if the number of applicants went down. And all of that leaded to concerns about the sustainability of the profession. There was a sustained call at most, most of the sessions that had educators there that we must address the shortage of placements. That was another key concern for educators, that we have to encourage more people to take students on placement. And the final concern, I think, overall, was about the loss of leadership posts, the loss of uh, identified unique occupational therapy leaders or principals or heads of service, um, and people perceiving that as a loss of opportunity to influence within their service and to be heard within their service. 
On the positive side, and there were many positives, um, the Improving Lives Saving Money campaign had, was very well received by members. They, they enjoyed engaging in the process of collecting data and they also were very happy with the outputs. And together, those two things, getting involved in the campaign but also seeing what the campaign delivered, seemed to empower them and give them confidence to advocate for occupational therapy services. Uh, they were also very pleased about the level of impact that the campaign is having, so they feel it is enabling us to knock on doors and have the right conversations with the right people. Um, there were also many positive comments on the, the new website, James, which I know will be a, a delight to you. That's great to hear. Um, they were keen to reshape their offer to meet future care models, so I think many occupational therapists recognise that the same old, same old will not do. We have to reshape and reconceive how we provide occupational therapy services going forward. And examples given were things like working in primary care. And finally, they wanted very much to grow the evidence base for occupational therapy, and they were keen to support more research in the field. There's definitely a lot of things there. Um, Going forward with, uh, with that in mind, what areas uh, did members suggest that we should be focusing on for the next five years? Well, they were very keen to have more improving lives, saving money products. Um, they were positive about um, the activities we've been carrying out under the strategic intention we have currently about being the voice of the profession. They felt that uh, we should continue our influencing activities and continue to build our media presence. Members were keen we empower them to act and advocate locally um, and encourage them to act as OT ambassadors, um, especially with local media. They, they were keen and willing to get involved in that sort of area of activity. They wanted the Royal College to be a dynamic and enabling organisation at a national and a local lo level, which I think we continue to work at, at delivering. And they did want more strategic influencing, whilst recognising that we have knocked on a lot of doors. They wanted us to continue knocking on doors and uh, going through those doors and talking to the right people. Members wanted help to keep abreast of policy shifts. They recognise there's a lot of change going on. Uh, and they want to develop the confidence to effect change at a local level. And we can help them with that. And I think finally they wanted and rec they recognised that the world of occupational therapy practice is changing and they want support to work within new sectors and within new roles. And they did recognise that some of those new roles will not be called necessarily occupational therapist. But they agreed that it's very important we all affirm our offer as occupational therapists by demonstrating the impact and the value of occupation on health and well-being. So whilst people may end up working within different services, uh, delivered in different ways, possibly with different job titles. As occupational therapists, it is absolutely vital that we continue to um, affirm the value of occupation in terms of its delivery and for our population's health and well-being. Fantastic. Um, Julia Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thoughts and feedback are really appreciated, so do please drop us a line on Twitter or on Facebook to let us know what you think of the podcast. We're at the RCOT on Twitter and on Facebook, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>